The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Stay tuned for the Network Live News Minute. In the wake of a disaster, what one thing can you send that will help people the most? A blanket, a tent, a sandbag, a doctor. Actually, if you send a monetary donation, you send all these things. Even a small donation can make a big impact and can quickly become exactly what people affected by disaster need most. In the wake of Hurricane Harvey, your monetary donation can make a huge difference to those in need. To donate, visit HurricaneHarveyAid.org. That's HurricaneHarveyAid.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Today is September 3rd. This is your Network Live News Minute. Faith-based disaster assistance teams continue to put their faith into action for victims in Texas whose lives and property have been devastated by Hurricane Harvey. AccuWeather predicts Hurricane Harvey to be the most costly natural disaster in United States history. Christian leaders from several African countries concluded meetings in Jerusalem on Wednesday with Israeli startups, politicians, and businesses during the African Leadership Summit hosted by the Institute for Christian Leadership Development. Russian President Vladimir Putin warned on Friday that the tense standoff between North Korea and the United States was on the verge of large-scale conflict and said it was a mistake to try to pressure Pyongyang over its nuclear missile program. And Islamic State Group leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi appears to be still alive, a top U.S. military commander said Thursday, contradicting Russia's claim that probably killed the top counter-terror targets months ago. This has been your Network Live News Minute. I'm Lynn Ferris, reporting. Today on the Network Live, could the suspicions be true? Witch doctors and potions? Well, here's a CBS News report on albinos in Tanzania killed like animals. We've been killed like animals, she sings. Please pray for us. An event calling for an end to violence against albinos who are constantly reminded of the danger to their lives. <laughs> this city was once known as the capital of witchcraft with killings happening almost every month. The most recent, an albino woman hacked to death in May. NGO figures put the number of people with albinism in Tanzania at over 33,000. More than 70 have been killed in the last three years, but only 10 people have been convicted and jailed for murder. Lack of evidence is an impediment to the prosecution, the police say. These kinds of campaigns take place mostly in urban areas, but the message doesn't always reach the remote parts of Tanzania where they're most needed where discrimination against people with albinism is much more common. The remote island of Ukerewe is home to about 70 albinos. Its first albino inhabitants were abandoned by their families. 
Recently, many have fled the urban centers for refuge on this island. But still, they are not safe. This is the Namigambo family. The little boy, who is four, survived an attempted kidnap when he was just three months old. The mother managed to escape to safety by jumping out of the window. The family says more should be done by the government. I plead with the government to keep on helping us as it did in the past when they offered seminars telling the community that these are normal children just like any other. They only lack some elements in their pigmentation. Those seminars helped a few understand the challenges of living with albinism. There are efforts from non-governmental organizations to create awareness here, but they are still faced with huge challenges. We do not have the capability or means to reach communities at the village level. You find that we mainly rely on radio and TV to do that, or stakeholders and volunteers. But we who rely on the government are not able to reach the grassroots because of course. People with albinism can only hope that the government's latest efforts are a move to the right direction and that one day they'll be able to live their lives in safety. Salim Kikeke, BBC News, Mwanza. Today on the Network Live, we'll be visiting with author Lynn Gentry. Lynn is an actor, director, turned fiction author who loves using her crazy imagination to entertain audiences with her books. Her varied works range from highly praised time travel series, Carthage Chronicles, to laugh-out-loud romantic comedy series, Mount Hope Southern Adventures. Her newest release is a co-written romantic medical thriller, Ghost Heart. RT Reviews calls this top pick author one to watch. Readers say her writing is extraordinary and her stories exceptional. When Lynn is not creating enchanting new worlds, she's laughing with her family or working with her medical therapy dog. Find out more about Lynn on the Network Live today. I love MediShare because they protect and respect life. MediShare is community. MediShare is affordable. MediShare is biblical. MediShare is uplifting. MediShare is family. Faithful. MediShare is hope. It's love. Learn how thousands of Christians can help you save on your health care. Call 844-74-BIBLE. MediShare, affordable, biblical health care. That's 844-74-BIBLE. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Thank you for being with us today. Today on The Network Live, we'll be visiting with author Lynn Gentry. Lynn has written 10 books, and today we'll hear a little about her books, including her new release, an inspirational medical thriller, Ghost Heart, co-authored with Lisa Harris. Good morning, Lynn. How are you doing this morning? We are so excited to have you on The Network Live. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Debbie. You're welcome. Let's go ahead and get started, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your books and how long you've been writing? Well, I am not one of those writers who can say I've always wanted to write, but I have always been a storyteller. I grew up in rural isolation on a Kansas dairy farm, and so I was stuck with just me and my imagination and a bunch of cows. 
so I could, in an instant, uh, transform a tree house into a medieval castle, hay bales into pioneer forts, or a dank root cellar into a time portal that could transport me into ancient civilizations. In my make-believe world, I was bold and brave and beautiful, and the heroes were handsome and romantic. Humanity's fate hung in the balance, and good always triumphed over evil. And in the end, I left the past far better shape than I found it. But I actually started my writing career by writing scripts. I uh, was a pastor's wife, and we needed scripts for um, Christmas and Easter, and I wrote a few musicals. And it was in the process of writing one of these musicals that I cast as an angel my current co-author, Lisa Harris, and she was already a romantic suspense writer. And after we finished the play, she said, you know what, I think you could write a book. And I said, yeah, how hard could it be? Well, I spent about a year writing a 400-page tune that no one's ever going to see, The Light of Day. But um, then in 2005, the Lord had a different call for me. I was commissioned to be the dramatic performer at a major women's event in Houston, and from there, that dramatic, romantic comedy that I wrote, I wrote what is now called Walking Shoes and the Mount Hope Southern Adventure Series. And it's a, it's a kind of autobiographical uh, story of a pastor's wife who is in tight with God until her husband drops dead in the pulpit, and she has to reinvent herself. And, and then after that, I went on to write uh, a series of time travel uh science fiction uh, stories based on a 21st century doctor who gets dropped into a third century plague that actually really happened and nearly wiped out the Roman Empire and were it not for the Christians who came on the scene and offered their help and uh, the Roman Empire would have failed but their willingness to step out of their comfort zone changed the world and uh, then I wrote this story I can't wait to talk to you about today. That's right. We are leading up to uh, the exciting new book, Ghost Heart, and I am so excited. You know, you've had a great career writing, and I know we share being a pastor's wife, and so uh, I'm excited to read the one about that. I know that it'll be very entertaining. Lynn, it sounds like you've got a great collection of books, and we're going to take a short break right now, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to listen all about your new book release, Ghost Heart. Stay tuned to the Network Live. In the wake of a disaster, what one thing can you send that will help people the most? A blanket, a tent, a sandbag, a doctor. Actually, if you send a monetary donation, you send all these things. Even a small donation can make a big impact and can quickly become exactly what people affected by disaster need most. In the wake of Hurricane Harvey, your monetary donation can make a huge difference to those in need. To donate, visit HurricaneHarveyAid.org. That's HurricaneHarveyAid.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Network Live. We're visiting with author Lynn Gentry today about the collections of books she's written. Lynn has a new book that came out on August 1st that she co-authored with Lisa Harris. It's an inspirational medical thriller, and the title is Ghost Heart. 
Lynn, I have been waiting with much anticipation in hearing more about your new book, Ghost Heart, that was released on August 1st. Can you tell us a little bit about your co-author, Lisa Harris, and where you got the idea for the story? Oh, well, this is such a God thing. Like I mentioned earlier, I cast Lisa as one of my angels in my musical, and she's the one who got me started writing. And then she and her husband moved to Mozambique, Africa, to become missionaries. And um, But it, that was a God thing, because in 2008, I read an article in the Dallas Morning News about some albinos being persecuted. And what I found out just really floored me. I could not believe there was such barbarism going on in the world and that Christians were remaining so silent that these albinos were being slaughtered for their hair and their skin and their teeth and their uh, their um, sexual organs because they were being turned into potions by the witch doctors. And I knew that Tanzania and Mozambique butted up to each other and so I emailed Lisa and said, is this true? Could this possibly be true and she said well I don't know and she did some investigation and found out that it was in fact going on in the world and she was sickened as as was I that is just unbelievable isn't it that that can go on and I'd never heard about it until we were talking about your book she hadn't either and she you know she lives in the country next door and she has albinos there's quite a few uh, a pretty high albino population even in Mozambique not as high as Tanzania, but so she was aware of albinos. She was not aware of the terror that he lived in. Well, um, so uh, you're excited. It came out August first, right? Yes. And yes. have have you done any special promotions for it? Or, or uh, I know your passion is really to get the message out, even though it's a fictional book. It's been based on true. Uh, events that happen in in real life, and so I know that you're very passionate about getting that message out and helping people become aware of what's going on. Sometimes we don't realize what's going on around the world. At least I don't. I live in my own little world, and and then I hear things like this, and I think, oh my goodness, you know, what can we do to make a difference? Well, Lisa and I are extremely passionate about this. Lisa has a, a really large readership, and they've been very supportive so far and helping us get the word out. It, you know, word of mouth is really still the greatest um, advertising tool anybody can use is word of mouth. And so we're really relying on that to get this uh, kind of a groundswell going. We've reached out to a, a wonderful organization called Under the Same Sun. It was founded by a person with albinism who actually lives in Canada. And we've reached out to him to see what we can do to help uh, support their efforts. Again, the sad thing about this whole um, persecution of albinos is that most of the atrocities are committed against children because the children's skin and the children's uh, body parts is considered untainted and um, so kind of uh, naive, and so it's supposed to be more powerful. And unfortunately, relatives that will often turn in these children and the poachers come at night and kill them. And so in an effort to protect their children, the parents are sending these children to small compounds that are heavily guarded and and they have little schools in them and and terrible living conditions because there's just hardly any money. And uh, one thing Under the Same Sun does is it helps provide educational resources and 
hats and sunscreen, and, and that in itself is such a huge blessing. And, and Lisa and I, at the very least, would love to uh, see support going to actual boots-on-the-ground, so to speak, efforts to make a difference in these children's lives. I know in just some of the research that I did after hearing about it, uh, I watched some videos and I, I saw the little children and they were playing. And, you know, they're just as happy as they can be. They have no idea that they're in danger. They're just normal kids and um, just as cute as can be. I mean, you just your heart just goes out after them. Oh, yes. Um, they do. It is rare for an albino to live to the age of 40 because, uh, usually they die in their 30s if they, you know, are not killed, but they suffer a lot of medical conditions. Uh, melanoma is definitely, because of the lack of pigment in their skin, uh, being exposed to the sun at all just sets them up for, uh, you know, the life-changing effects of melanoma cancer. They also have difficulty uh, with their vision. they I don't really understand it exactly, but uh, for some reason their vision is greatly impaired. So learning is difficult for them. Uh, they can't sit at the back of the classroom. They need glasses. They need to be up front. They need a special, uh, special help to stay healthy. Well, I know that you and Lisa are making a difference in, uh, in the areas that are most needed. How does this all tie in with the book? Just give us a brief uh, synopsis of the book so that we can get a taste of it and want to order it because I am so excited to read it. Uh, well, uh, some people kind of look at me and think like, wow, you have a crazy mixed up mind. But um, the, the real atrocities of taking their, their body parts and all of that is truly happening. Where the fiction part of this story came in is I asked, what all fiction writers ask, what if? And I ask the what if question, what if the human poachers decided to up their profit margin and take the organs, the heart, the kidneys, and the lungs, and take those organs and funnel them into the American uh, black market transplant tourism trade? Because whether you're aware of this or not, Many to the tune of about 100,000 Americans a year go abroad for major surgeries like transplants and kidney transplants, lung transplants, heart transplants, cornea transplants. They go abroad for several reasons. One, the medical costs in the United States have become exorbitant. The insurance costs have uh, insurance has not is not covering as much and less likely to cover as much. And the waiting list in America, while it is wonderful, there are many people who can't wait for a heart to become available. So for those reasons, it drives traffic to these third world countries and the, the possibility of getting a transplant kind of for, um, you, you can get a first tier surgeon. You can get second-tier prices in a third-world country. Where even a greater atrocity happens is these third-world people are exploited. In India, there's a cafe where um, organ traders wait for people to come in in dire situations and sell a kidney. That's just unbelievable. 
Well, um, we are all excited. I know. Uh, tell us a little bit about where we can find Ghost Heart. Well, it's at all your major retailers, uh, Amazon, Kobo, uh, Nook Press, uh, iTunes. You can find it at all those places. You can get it in hard copy or you can get it digitally or you can find it on my website, which is lengentry.com, or Lisa Harris and I have a blog together called Harris Gentry Suspense, and you can find out more information about it there. Well, Lynn, I am just so excited to read your books, especially Ghost uh, Ghost Heart and the one about the pastor's wife. I think that they all are just cute. And I, I have to tell everybody that the uh, pictures on the front of that series has shoes. And yeah. I think you and I both know that shoes and handbags are very, very important, right? <laughs> I just want I, every time I look at it, I think I want those red shoes and I want that red bag. You are my kind of gal. Well, we are so happy that you could be a part of uh, the network live today. Thank you so much. Well, we're praying many blessings over your book and all of your writings in your career. We know that this is going to bring awareness to albinism and make people aware of some things that are going on that they might not have known about before. And so I know that you're being a great help, and I know that uh, now that people are aware, they'll be able to help out in some way, too, if their heart leads them to do that. You know, I hope that it just really sends the message that beneath the color of our skin, we're all the same. Yes. We're all the same. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of our program today, Lynn. We're praying many blessings over you and your new book and the impact you are making to bring awareness to albinism. For more information about Lynn or where to purchase her books, visit lynngentry.com. Stay tuned. There's more to come right here on The Network Live. I'm pretty normal. Sure, I've got some debt. But who doesn't? I make a decent living. Food is on the table. House, car. Got them. Got them. Got them. I thought if I could afford the payment, then I was okay. I mean, life is not meant to be all work and no play, right? So we'd go on vacation. We'd eat at nice restaurants. And we just kept paying the bills. All the money in. All the money out. My whole paycheck. Gone. 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 I was making good money. Having a pretty good life. But I was broke. And I didn't know where to turn. Then I heard about Financial Peace, a life-changing program from Dave Ramsey. Now I've got a plan for my money. Financial Peace taught me God's plan for personal finance. I had no idea. There were over 800 verses of scripture about how to handle money. I took control. And I've already paid off $5,000 in debt. What's more, I'm free to give like never before. And that's a great feeling. Financial peace. Live like no one else. Get on the road to financial peace. Sign up today for this life-changing program. Classes starting Wednesday, September 13th at Gateway Church. For registration, please call 325-428-6145. Welcome back to the Network Live. As we've learned today about these criminal acts, not only towards adults with albinism, but how children have suffered from being hunted down, mutilated, and even killed. Here is a CBS News interview with Contessa Brewer and Elisa Montana. Hunters killing albino children for limbs. 
Hunters are chasing down little kids in Tanzania, ready to maim, poach, even kill them like wild animals, simply because they have albinism, the genetic mutation that leaves them without hair, skin, or eye coloring. In Tanzanian culture, they're considered to have magical powers, and witch doctors use their limbs as ingredients in potions, promising customers wealth and good fortune. On the black market, body parts can go for thousands of dollars. Alyssa Montanti is the founder of Global Medical Relief Fund and made it, I understand, your mission to help these kids. And so to that end, you've brought kids with albinism to the United States. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing. I read an article about little Baraka, five years old, who was viciously attacked uh, because of him have an albinism and um, I reached out it took me several weeks to find him I found him through under the same sun and when I finally uh, had reached them they said that would I be willing to help five other children and you know I said absolutely we, we absolutely will what happens is they live in villages and these people monsters go into uh, their homes at night and uh, they attack them you know and they machete their limbs off because they believe whoever instructs them to do this that uh, it's good fortune okay so you you find these children who've been victimized by hunters let's call them mm -hmm. they're missing limbs mm -hmm. so they come to the United States what's the mission now that they're here okay so we partner with the Shriners Children Hospital in Philadelphia and they help all the children that we have brought uh, over the years who have who are missing limbs from war natural disasters illness and uh, it's all at no cost so they provide all the prosthetic surgery rehabilitation so when I found out about Baraka and then later the four other children of course they approved them and we brought them here and they stay with us they're getting their prosthetics this week and next week and it's amazing how much does that kind of effort cost to do the operations necessary and supply them with the prosthetic limbs. Well, all of them together, I would say close to $500,000. When physical therapy mm -hmm. here is done, what's the next step for them? Okay, well, they, they go back, uh, but they go back uh, in a sense of wholeness. You know, they now have two arms to put, they have another arm to put in a sleeve. And um, it definitely, they heal mentally. They go back, but they're, they return to a safe house. Alyssa, can you just describe a little bit about outside of the hospital, mm -hmm. what their experience has been oh like in the God. United States? They have transformed, you know. We'll be in the car, and they're singing and making jokes. And, um, you know, we've gone swimming. We've been to the beach. Uh, and they love it. They just love it. Um, when they first came here, I guess it was a sense of trust, you know. Um, and they have commented, Kabula has commented and said you cannot believe how generous the American people are, you know, because people have bought things and, and, and just showered them with love. And if people want to help Alyssa, how can they? They can go to our website, gmrfchildren.org. Thank you so much for Thank your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the Network Live, visit KNEORadio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and the NetworkLive.podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the Network Live on Facebook or visit the NetworkLive.org. 
If you would like more information about being a guest on The Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEORadio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.